This is Dax Riggs, but you're listening and maybe looking at things while you're listening to Japan Nick's rock and metal pandemonium. I don't even know what's going on. Yo, what's up? And uh, speaking about uh, what's going on with the uh, nuclear hatred maniacs, has there been any sort of movement in it? contemporaries of yours putting on shows over the past five years what do you mean okay like i mean have you noticed any bands that you're really local to um putting on the types of events that you do like not just the thrash bash oh, show you mean but like the... other bands doing diy things yeah no no not, not i haven't often. noticed it uh, uh, there's a couple. Toxicology's done some why, DIY but, stuff. Besides Toxicology. But Toxicology is, like, very, like, much like us. Like, yeah. very DIY Well, Toxicology doesn't put on the shows per se. They work with the guys that put on the shows, and they network a lot so that they can get on a lot yeah. of compilations and uh, and work with, you know, like, indie people. So, I mean, in terms of actually putting on a show, I know Toxicology's planning on doing a basement show because Ryan's um, going to be moving, so he wants to, like... He wants to do a show in his house before he leaves the, the to the new one, um, but there hasn't really been like anyone particularly just putting on the shows. Maybe they've been working with people on how to organize them and just getting them together. Uh, there is some basement shows that are coming out, like in Staten Island when we did the basement show for Municipal Stace. Yeah, Municipal Stace. Shout out to you, Stacy Mishti. M- Machiti. I don't know how to spell. I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Municipal Stace. Who, who cares? Your municipal Stace, and uh, you know, thanks for having us on there, uh, playing with the reunited Ego Kill, which was to loads of fun. Yeah, they um, killed my ego. <laughs> I didn't have one to kill. But oh, it's dead now. Oh, uh, but you know, there it, it was just super cool. I mean, yeah, base. Really I awesome honestly, show. I want to do more basement shows for you know a long time because there were more people at the, in that basement and i think in any in, in uh, most of our shows except like with the exception of uh the cancer slug show at the meat locker and uh thrash bash three you know i th- i think that was that like that crowd was huge and the energy in the room was fantastic yeah. so uh i want to do uh i, I want sh- i want are more you DIY about shows we've put on because uh, sh- that municipal state show was that was no, no, no. I know. I, I know. I know. I love that show. I was actually surprised how many people were there for our set because we were on first I, at six o'clock in the at on six a Saturday. o'clock on a Saturday, and that place was packed from wall to wall. I think we wall. had the biggest crowd. Yeah, um, yeah. That or um, the band that went on right before Ego Kill might have had the biggest crowd. Oh yeah, yeah. They were. Uh, who were they again? Um, I forgot the bloody name, but they were real. But they were they were pretty good too. Yeah. They were raw though. They had uh, oh morbid cross. That was their name. Right, right. Yeah, they were different, man. Uh, they 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 had like that Celtic frost sound. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was pretty. I mean, and I yeah, DIY shows have always been for us at least the best we've played. I mean, yeah. even when we played. Um, Oh, also, um, some chick, um, she she made she got a list of every band that's ever played at the Meat Locker, and she alphabetized them. Yeah. For I don't know what reason, she just felt like doing it, which is awesome. Yeah. And uh, like, there's like a thing. I, I it'd be cool if they had like a thing in the Meat Locker that just had a it was like a wall, like of a plaque fame. or something. Yeah. yeah. If if they don't do it, then somebody should do it. You know, maybe I'll just do it. 
Of, yeah. You know, um, I mean, I'll just buy a picture frame and put it there and give it to Dan Revis and just say, here, hang it up. So it's interesting because, like, the shows that we've played that are, like, more DIY, like Municipal State Show, you know, the Thrash Bash, the Meat Locker shows, they're always, like, really great crowds and are really, like, but the venues are kind of, like, you yeah, know, the venues obviously are... not as great because, yeah. whatever, it's a DIY show, like, Meat Locker's, you know... It's small, it's t- you know, cramped stage or whatever. Yeah, but the venue but then, shows themselves, I'm always a little disappointed. Well, because yeah, it's exactly. Like, the venue shows that we play, the stage is great, the sound is always great, but but then there's, there's no like people. not a lot of crowd. Yeah. So I I think DIY shows are just the way to go because yeah. like I mean it's fun playing, especially when we played at um, uh, Hill Hill Tap. Wait, where were we? We never played at no, the Hill Tap. What's the where, um, where do we play? Oh, Gussie's. Gussie's. Yeah, Gussie's had a Gussies. great stage, great, great sound. Stage, great sound, and it was cool because it was the first venue we ever played that had a dressing room. Yeah, that was, was so cool. They had that weird mannequin that people have probably violated a yeah. lot. But um, but there wasn't a huge crowd there, and yeah. so I don't know. It's I think it's just it's it's, it's better where people want to be more stuff. supportive. But I mean, it, it depends on what level you are as a band. But I mean. If you're going to be playing a venue, you should probably already have, like, a management. That's because true. And you know what? There's less overhead when you do DIY shows. You know, like, yeah. when we play the Meat Locker, we hit, we worry about, you know, we have to pay the venue at the end of the night. But that's it. That's it. And there's no, we like, have to pay oh, it at the end sell of the night. X amount of tickets or do this or do that. It's like, yeah. whatever. You you put your down – it's not even a down payment anymore, I don't think. You no, just say, no, like, no, no, Dan, can, can we play this date? And he'll, like, be, yeah. Yeah, he'll just say, all right, I'll hold it down for you. Uh, let me know if anything changes. Uh, you're going to have to give us X amount of money at the end of the night, and that's it. And, you know, you give him the money, and, you know, sometimes he's just, like – so, like, he's really he's really lax about it. So, you know, sometimes, like, if you're, like, you know, like, a couple of dollars short or whatever, you know, he's not going to he's not gonna bust your balls about it or anything like that. He's just going to be – you know, he'll just – you know, he understands. If there – he know, and, you know, he's an underground DIY guy himself, so if there's a big show going on, he knows – that, you know, more people are going to go to that. Like, uh, when we did the CD release show uh, with Bombscare and Sentience, he, um, I also thought that it was cool that we had a baby in the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we... Uh, an infant. Yeah, an infant, no less. Four months old. Yeah. His first concert. <laughs> I didn't go to my first concert until I was 18. Oh, man, I was 16. And my dad still came because he thought I was going to get addicted to drugs immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wash it right like that. Don't throw drugs. Step in. Yeah, I like without even doing. Don't drugs. The yeah. needle goes in the arm, and that's no, it. Like without even doing drugs, I would suddenly become addicted to drugs. Like I would just smell the drugs and be like, "Man, I'm already. I love these," <laughs> without knowing what they are. Uh, like that's how paranoid he was. But I mean, what are you going to do, Irish Catholic? <laughs> Irish Italian Catholic man. Yep. Is gonna be afraid. I mean you could spot him a mile away from the creases in their shoes. Uh but like just just the DIY shows in general. I mean like on that show, uh like Ghost was playing in a show in Montclair. So it was like dude so he came up to us, he was like, Listen, the crowd's probably not gonna be as good as it should be because most of our regulars are going to the ghost show and I didn't even know that Ghost was playing. Not Ghost. Well no, there yeah, was a ghost yeah, show. Yeah. And then there was the other one, too. Well, no. Well, that was the afternoon when Ramming Speed was playing a Ramming couple Speed. of blocks down yeah. the street in a garage. But that was fine because people from that show came right after. Yeah. So that had no issues. It was just like, he was like, listen, I know Ghost is playing, so, you know, you're not going to get as big of a crowd as you would have. So, I mean, if you can't come up with, you know, 
this much money, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like hold it against you because if they weren't playing, you would. Yeah. So it, like it was no big deal at all. Uh, and and ramming speed actually like hung out and like watched the bulk of, and watched like most of the show. You know, we were trying to get them to just play like you know like a 15 minute set, but I, but they were too tired. But it was still cool that they you know came out. Yeah. You should buy their albums too, whoever you are that's listening, because they're really good. Also yes. on prosthetic records. Yeah. So yeah, lots of plugging. And on that note, here is Hectic Shock with Summoning Hell, another great Portland, Oregon band. Here we go. Groovy. And that was just Hectic Shock with Summoning Hell. 
That's the title track to their new album. And let me just get... <clears throat> hmm. We're going to hear some black metal from the from uh, Battleground Washington. Here is Uwada, Our Pale Departure.
It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Be a reader, tutor or mentor. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge now at liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Sensory sensitivity, repetitious behavior, lack of eye contact. You can see signs of autism in children as young as 18 months. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. All right, it's Japan Nick, and it is about 12.30, and you are listening to an interview with the guys in nuclear you, hatred. You almost said Zamboni. Nuclear hatred. You almost said it. You can't Biden? say that. You you, don't, you want us to get sued yes. again? Yes. Well, crap. Okay. <laughs> now, looking back, three years later, what would you say to yourselves about dealing with the bomb scare Nikki Camp scenario? I, uh, well, I have firsthand experience with that. Uh, I wrote an article on what happened uh, for the examiner, which does not exist because the guy promoting the show, well, um, his name's Charlie. And the company is Roxer, and uh, they have a habit of not being able to deliver on things. They, uh, well, they organized, promoted the event and what have you, and booked it, full knowing of the shenanigans that Nikki Camp is known for. Bomb Scare went into it as a favor, you know, for whatever it is that they owed the guy, or that they just, you know, they, they were just doing it nicely. Maybe somebody dropped, I don't know. And then when they found out where they were playing and who ran the place, they were like, oh, no, not this guy. So both of them knowing full well, so, so you know, with the Rockstar guy knowing full and hell well what happened and what uh, what this guy Nicky Camp does and to, to bands, which is not good and not right, and he's been rubbing the scene off for years, which is why we will not ever play any of the venues he owns. Uh, Blackthorn 51 is that is that venue in particular. Uh, all the other ones, he's just exposed the scene dry, and he's uh, driven it uh, into the ground with a giant tombstone pile driver of uh, not being good to bands and uh, ripping them off and making them, you know, pay to play their shows and chastising them for not being able to, you know, do whatever or give him X amount of money, which they shouldn't be doing because if it's your venue and it's your bread and butter, maybe you should be the one responsible for how you make your money. Um, so they went into it, and once they did that, they were like, all right, we're just going to trash this guy, and we're never playing this place again. So they did that. They did what they did. Um, it caused an altercation with one of the bouncers. And, well, of course, when they went up to this Charlie fella, nowhere to be found. Mm. Suddenly, oh, and then, you know, as soon as as soon as I wrote the article about what happened, because Bombscare put up a big, you know, Facebook status and a video of the whole thing, and they were like, listen, this is what happened, and it wasn't cool, you know, and this is what it is. So I wrote the article, and I was like, here it is. Got, much, got, got a ton of traffic, and, you know, all of a sudden, the Rockstar guy comes after me, and he's like, oh, you're, the, you're this, like... What a what a pos you are, and like you're effing 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 blah blah blah. He's like getting all of these people. He's getting all of his friends, you know, to comment on 
the article and, you know, try to destroy my reputation or whatever, saying it's yellow journalism. Like, he had to, somebody who works with him to, like, you know, tweet at me saying that I'm a bad journalist and whatever. And I'm like, no, I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm reporting the truth, which is uh, what journalism is supposed to be. Uh, I, I know a lot of you people don't know that because of the way that the media industry is right now, you know, being owned by billionaires and what have you. But you're supposed to report the truth, and that is, in fact, the truth of what happened. You can ask anybody who went there, and uh, you can ask Bomb Scare, and they'll tell you the same thing. You know, they got what they got. And, you know, the first thing that happens is, in, in famously in the comments, this guy Charlie starts bashing Nikki Camp, saying, oh, this wasn't me, this was this guy, this is the guy you want, and whatever, and, you know, they're throwing each other under the bus. Nikki Camp has never commented on this fact, because he probably didn't care, because he already got his money, so it don't make a difference, right? Yeah, so, definitely. So there's that, and then, you know, the guy is, like, privately messaging me on Facebook, and he's like, you know, please remove the article, please get rid of the article. I'm like, this is what happened, I'm sorry, but I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm not backing down, man. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to come to my house with a, you know, with a baseball bat? What are you going to, real, realistically, what are you going to do? And he's like, if I see you in the street, I'm going to do this. And he's like, give me the tough guy talking. I'm like, dude, you're not going to do this. I know you're not going to do this because you're saying this on the other side of a screen. First, first of all. Second of all, you're not even, you don't, you're not even going to bother to take the time to study what my face looks like. So even if and when I do see you in person, which I have, and he doesn't know that because he doesn't know what I look like because he didn't pay attention. <laughs> So, you know, I know you're not going to do that. So, mm. you know, you're, you're a moot point. Please stop bothering me and let me move on with my life. By the way, that same day, my grandmother passed away. Uh, so that was weird because it was like, all right, I got this. And then now this thing happens. Mm. So now what am I? So like, whatever, let me just go about my day. And <laughs> it was just a weird situation. And then, uh, you know, eventually, like everything else, it just boils down when I'm not going to budge. And then, you know, they bothered examiner.com or whatever, and examiner removed it. So I reposted under a different title. And that stayed up for, like, you know, a good, you know, three to six months. And then that got removed, too. So now you can't read it mm. uh, because it's gone forever. But by the time that they finally got rid of it, the damage had been done, and I won. So, you know, you put that in your pipe and smoke it, Charlie. And Definitely. How's that know, for a shoot promo? Going back on, you know, the original question, like, I don't really. I mean, we haven't played a we haven't played a pay to play place in since we played. We only blue, did one. We did one at the we, blue room. Yeah, we, we never played another one again. Yeah, after that we and did nothing. After that we were like, we ain't doing this again because hey, Tim McMurtry owes us money, whether or not yeah. he wants to actually admit that he does. Uh, mm -hmm. He definitely does. And uh, oh, well, of course he does. First, you know, the first oh, yeah. question that we asked him was, "Hey, do you know, did we, did, did we make money?" He's he like, said yes. Yeah, and he said at the end yes. of the night, he said, "Oh no, you guys broke even." Yeah, it's like, and I know for a fact we sold the amount of tickets we were supposed to sell. Yeah, and then and some. more people came after that were here. Right, that we were supposed us. to so get I, a full I, cut I know of the door from whatever. We so we owe it. He owes us at least fifty to a hundred something dollars, maybe more. I don't know, but. You know, he ain't going to pay up, and we're not going to bother, you know, no. like, chasing him down for, like, you know, money that we're never going to get. Exactly. You know. And, but, yeah, we've never – we haven't played a pay-for-play. So, again, you know, we learned our lesson pretty quick with that. And yeah. and it was funny because that happened, like, right around the time that the bomb scare thing happened. Yeah, it was like, like about a month before. Was, yeah. So, you know, it was, like, right after that. We were just like, okay, well, obviously pay-for-play is BS, and we're not going to do it. Yeah. So – 
and and you know. Well, I've also well, I mean, I had also like learned that through you know other bands that I right. played with. Right. But I mean, like the way that we had done it for uh, like what we used to play in Staten Island a lot, uh, this band Turbulence that I was in in uh, towards in uh, in high school, uh, we were like a proggy thrash band. It was like it was interesting. Um, and we, like we used to play in Staten Island for this guy Jeff and Rage, who's a promoter over there. He's an all right dude. Um, but the way that we did it was we were smart about it. And um, when he had a t- when when we had a show, I mean the uh, the guitarist Mark, he uh, his like his dad was never home, so he pretty much had free reign of the house, and it was a pretty like you know decent sized house. So whenever we had a show coming up, he would be like. All right, here's what we're gonna do. We would go to the guy. We would buy the tickets in advance. For, you know, we'd give him like two hundred dollars or whatever, and we would say, "Okay, here's what we're gonna do, Marks. Mark, since Mark, since you got nothing going on in the house, and we all like the party, we're gonna have a party the week before the show. That party is gonna have a fifteen dollar cover charge. He wants us to sell the t- tickets for ten. We've got twenty tickets. We paid two hundred. We're gonna sell them for fifteen. We're gonna give every, and we're gonna tell, and we're gonna give pe- we're gonna tell people that it's gonna cover the cost of all the liquor and everything. And we did buy a lot of liquor. Um, we were uh, well, most of us were minors at the time. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the other guitarist Alex, who uh, got married uh, on my birthday this year, uh, Alex Belagula. Shout out to you and uh, your lovely, lovely wife Michelle uh, Michelle Belagula. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed your honeymoon and such. And uh, I hope they get breakfast with you soon, even though the diner by your house closed down. So now we're going to have to find somewhere else to go. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, he would buy the booze. Uh, and, you know, we'd get we'd get a bunch of alcohol and we'd get, you know, like, I don't know, like maybe five pizza pies or something like that to cover everything. And we would, you know, tell everybody it's $15, $20 or whatever at the door. That's going to cover the liquor or whatever. And you get a free ticket to our show in Staten Island. So you can go to the show or you cannot go to the show. Either way, we get rid of the ticket and we make money off the show. So that was what that was the way that we got rid of that. So that was just, that was actually really smart. Um, but if you can't do that every time, then... How are you going to get rid of your tickets? You can't just be like the Times Square, you know, comedy show guys and just walk up to randos and just say, oh, hey, do you want to go to a metal show? Yeah. Like, do you don't know me? Do you want to buy a ticket off of me? No, you're not going to buy a ticket off of somebody you don't know. And you know what the the real problem is, is that when bands are doing pay-for-play, it's always bands that are not, that are just starting out, don't have a huge following. So they're getting ripped off out of the gate because they don't know. Exactly. And they're they're trying, like, when we did our, our... show at the blue room we had to sell tickets we didn't like we we sold it to friends we got people yeah that like that's what your fan base yet. generally exactly. is because you was your have friends and yet. your family and that's what we did we sold the tickets to the friends and family and that's generally what smaller bands are doing so you know the maybe time, they can do that not, once you know like right. with the blue room we got a bunch of people come out for the, to the blue room we're not going to be able to get those same people again those people aren't necessarily metalheads they're just there supporting us because they're our yeah. friends and then they're going to leave right or after family. we play anyway exactly. so what the hell's the point no no bands gener- no bands it, it doesn't work for any band it only works for the venue for a short amount of time because they're not going to cuz either they don't get the band again because exactly. the band either doesn't have a fan base, so they're just you know pissed off. Yeah, the bottom line, and they can't do it. The bottom line is, is if you run a venue or if you own a venue, and you personally, through your own business and and your own contacts, cannot pack that venue when there's a show going on, then you, then be you should not be owning a venue or running a venue or or using making shows. Right. Just doing do something else. Yeah, you know, you don't go to a pizzeria 
and there's no pizza, and he says, "Oh yeah, well, I mean, you, you know, have to make the pizza. You have to make the pizza. Bring your own pie. To yeah. Eat. yeah. Or like, hey, listen, I need you guys to bring all the ingredients because I don't know what kind of pizza you want. You know, you're not gonna go to that pizza place ever. Exactly. So why? And so why would that change anywhere else? You're not gonna go to a supermarket that says, "Hey, you have to bring the milk that you want to buy at the supermarket." Because why would I do that? Exactly. So I like it's. It's like something it it's just one of those things where like this doesn't work anywhere else. So why would you expect it to be different and now? And it's funny because you have people like Stacy and and other people in the DIY scene that like do it right. Like she runs a venue, it's free and and It's her bloody house, man. Exactly. It's her house and she does shows for free, but then she has a donation bucket and and whatever money goes in the donation bucket, she gives to the bands at the end. Yep. Like you know, that is the way – if you're not going to have, like, a venue that's also a bar or something like that where you're going to have another source of – if you're just doing shows, that's the way to do it. Yeah. And, and you know, if you could get a cheap space somewhere where rent is not super expensive and then you, you just go you, yourself, you have a donation bucket, and that that's it. Like, and I don't know. Just, well, so this was another thing about Tim that really got my goat um, was when, you know – he you he over like like this is what the pay to play promoters do because they don't care about anything they just care about like whatever short term money he they're gonna get. You overbooked the show. Yeah, you overbooked the show on like some craptacular day of the week, a like a Wednesday. Night. Yeah, on a Wednesday night, you got bands playing from eight o'clock to one in the morning. Later first... than that, because oh yeah yeah the, yeah. So this the, the show that we played it was a Wednesday night. There was at least six bands. There might have been seven on I a Wednesday night. The show didn't start until eight o'clock. Yeah. Okay. So, or it might have been even nine o'clock by the time the show started. I don't even remember. Uh, but I don't like, know. so th- that means, like you said, b- the the last band is going on at, at least one in the morning, yeah. if they're lucky, you know. And you know, it, that's not accounting for like breakdown time. That's like if everything goes down perfectly. Yeah. It's a school. Oh, and a but work don't night. worry, nobody will be night. watching you. It's in September. Right. It's not during the summer. It was in se- the middle of September, so people have work. People have school the next day. Uh, you know, they got things to do. Exactly. And you know, this was like a couple of years ago, so most of our friends were still in college and stuff like that. They didn't, yeah. they didn't ha- like, they couldn't just like stay out until Some one o'clock. Some people might have still been in high school. For exactly, all I know. there. I'm sure there was you because know? that there was there was that a couple bands I think that had like that were younger, yeah, you know, younger bands. So it, it's not, and then and then he complained. Yeah, then we'll, complained yeah when we went when to people, leave early, he we, had the gall. Exactly, we all have work the next day or or school, whatever. Yeah, and he. He's saying, "Oh well, you know, in the old days, we used to stay until the uh, all the bands were done." And I'm like, "Okay, it's great for you." And on top of that, he would uh, all those all those bands would get. He mentioned that all those bands would get paid by the promoter. Exactly. And we were like, "Gee, so you're not going to pay us? You're lying to us about our pay, and now you're complaining that we have to leave early because you're the one who booked the show until to, until God knows when in the in the morning the following day." On a Wednesday night, but it's our fault that you can't cover your, you know, your rent by the bar because you can't get people to come back to the bar. So it's our fault. Exactly. And also at this time, you're getting money off of us. Fantastic. We'll we'll, we'll see you next time at never o'clock. <laughs> well, on that note, thanks for giving me that opinion. And also, it ain't no opinion, baby. That's a fact, Jack. You see any other talented and enterprising promoters out there you'd like to speak about? Uh, other than Stacy, uh, I would say, uh, oh, 
What is his name again? Uh, Ed, Ed, Ed Farshty, who does all pr- pretty much all of the uh, good uh, New York shows. Uh, actually, Zach Mild, d- he uh, he does it too. He was in Holdra, and uh, he's uh, in Darkwing. Well, he was in Darkwing. Now he moved back to Chicago, but he still books and promotes shows at St. Vitus through Chicago, which is mm. crazy. Um, but Ed wow. Farshty books all the crazy, you know, Big underground shows like the Demolition Hammer shows, uh, Thy Antichrist when they come to town uh, from Texas. Uh, like, actually, Demolition Hammer had three days because they sold out every day so quickly that they kept adding days. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't go to any of them because they sold out that fast. They're playing in Chicago now. Good for them. I'm glad that they got back together. Yeah. Uh, I, hopefully I'll see them soon. But he, he books all these amazing shows, Ed, and I... He has, like, a store on in Alphabet City called the Wendigo. He's Wendigo Productions. Uh, oh, I'm, yeah, okay. I've yeah, I want to do a show uh, with them, but, he's, I mean, he books everything so far in advance, that, and he's, like, such a busy guy that it's really hard to get a hold of him. Um, but he's, you know, he, he books great, great things. Uh, there should be, what, what the heck does he go? The Rage of Armageddon Fest should be mm. in, like, September. He does that every year. It's, like, a two-day, three-day thing. It's becoming a mini-MDF. It's pretty neat. Um I mean, there's nothing bad that I could say about him. And uh, Moontooth puts on their own shows uh, sometimes, too, when they uh, when they play here. Um, mm. Like, I guess through their management or whatever. And Moontooth is, you know, awesome. They're probably the best band uh, in, in, in the tri-state area. You know, God bless them, man. And I don't believe in God, but God bless them. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody bless them. <laughs> Blessed be. <laughs> and... Uh, May uh may karma bless them, I guess. <laughs> Namaste. <laughs> oh no. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess I'm going that route now. <laughs> and also, what music scenes have you been fascinated by as of late, both style and area? Want any uh, answer from both of you, starting with Rob? Um, lately I've been listening to I mean a lot of like doom metal and. Uh, I haven't been listening to the thrash much lately because there's not that much. No, and anymore, you know what? Which is good. I, I I think the thrash resurgence has kind of died now. I think it's bands that didn't break up are now like doing different things or doing different styles. Like Vector is you know in like the way more proggy, proggy now, um, and you know I I think that's just in general like all bands are, are just getting havoc's getting more like groovy and and stuff like that. Um, and it's in a way, I think it's a good thing because it was towards the end. The thrash resurgence was really starting to get very stale. Oh my god, there were so many and bands that were just so generic. Exactly, and um, so, but lately I've been listening to like doom metal and uh, you know more like prog stuff like Moontooth and uh, and Xenophile, um, yeah. who I think are like more prog than thrash. Because yeah, I mean they're just, they're just crazy. Um, but you know that's been me. But I haven't been like you know really into like the the thrash scene anymore. Uh, I mean, it's not that I won't go to a thrash show. It's just that you there's know, not that many anymore. There's not that many, and it's you Which know, is not a bad. I'm thing. not going to go out of my way to go to one, basically. You know, because it's like I'd rather go see different types of music. And mm. and I like when we played that show at Gussie's. Like, you know, we played with Kevlar, and they were like nothing like. They were like post hardcore, basically. I, I don't think they were kind even post hardcore. They were like, 
A little they were like, bit. Gr- like gr- it was like weird. They were, I, they were like you couldn't really describe their sound. Right. Like they I were, like bands, really, but they can't awesome. describe their sound. They were like really much. good, and like you know, I'm like more into that right now. You know, mm-hmm. just like the, the not a genre kind of thing. You know, like like Lemmy, like Motorhead, like Motorhead. Yeah. He didn't care, like care to like have a genre. He yeah. was just like was we're like rock and roll. Definitive. Yeah, and th- that's like I think, you well, know, I mean, the direction I think we're going in kind of to a point, and also I think that. The scene is, you know, the scene that I'm more interested in at, at these days. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of dabbling between a little. I don't know. I guess a little bit of everything. Like uh, I'm, I'm looking into, like a lot of, you know, doomier things, um, but proggy too. Uh, like, like I'm, I'm, Liz, I'm a big Moontooth guy, but I mean, I like going, um, I like going to a lot of grind um, shows, because mm. like, well, I mean, those happen a lot. In the city, like there's yeah. a there's a ton of grind bands, uh, but like uh, like I saw King Parrot last uh, like a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they're they're Australian, but I mean they're just like crazy grind, and they're like really nice, funny guys. Um, I did a podcast with Youngie um, on that um, on that day at Saint Vitus. I mean you could look it up on uh, bonesawzine.com. but uh, I mean real great guys, so much energy, and. Uh, <coughs> And that same show, I mean, I saw Child by like I like diverse music. I like I don't yeah. like to just listen to like one thing at at the same time anymore. Um, but I mean, if there's something that tickles my fancy, then I'll like go check it out. But I I um I I've really been listening to Child Bite like crazy ever since that show too because they played. I mean, because they've been on like a tour with King Parrot like you know they've been touring with them for like the last year basically, you know. They're from uh, they're from Detroit, Michigan. Actually, uh, yesterday I put up a podcast with uh, mm-hmm. with Sean Knight from Child Bite, and you know what a great crazy guy, man. Uh, lots of fun talking to him. But Child Bite's music is so diverse. I mean, I guess like the best way to describe it is like a combination. It's like Guar with the Dead Kennedys vocals, or like or Guar with the dead kennedys rhythm i don't even know how to like it's guar and the dead kennedys it's really really crazy stuff it's not for everybody but it's really wild and i mean if you can if you get to see child bite which you probably will at some point because they tour all the time Mm. like please do it i mean you'll probably end up seeing them by accident for all you know uh they're so good and their energy is just off the chain man definitely like check out the song video blood and uh, Chris, not sure how much you've been uh, giving this information out, but how have your podcasts with the Bone Saw been as of late? There, I honestly, when I first got into the podcasting game, I really didn't want to do it, and I held off on it for a little while because I was so put off by how everybody had a podcast and how like it was just interviews, and nobody called them interviews anymore because somehow the word interview became a dirty word. And nobody cared about the nobody cared about interviews. But if you said podcast, which is the same thing, people cared about it. So I was like, all right, well, how am I going to do this? I guess I'm going to have to just do an interview and just call it a podcast. And then I'm like, oh, so I just started listening to podcasts to see if there was anything different that I had to do. Like, uh, I, I think the first podcast I listened to was the Stone Cold uh, Unleashed podcast. That's the uncensored one that he does. Mm. And... Uh, on podcast1.com, so there's a shameless plug. 
uh, and uh, I guess Podcast One should put me on there so they can so I can get paid and get you know endorsements from Uber and such. Although Uber, I didn't have a, wow. Although I didn't have a good time with Uber, uh, I would pretend I did if they sponsored me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, now pretending you... is always better than the truth. Well, it's good for money sometimes, uh, but. I, I didn't want to do it, and then you know I just listened to it, and I was like, okay, they have intros, they have intro music, and they have outro music, uh, and they have like an outro. So all right, I guess we could do that. So I you know started doing them little by little. I uh, I, com- I came up with a theme song. I recorded it uh, at my friend Eric Feliciano's house, who um who mastered our album, uh, and uh, I, d- I do a uh, side project with him called Sledgehammer Pinata, where it's this like ambient black and doom. So you should check that out. Sledgehammerpinata.bandcamp.com. It's crazy stuff. Listen to Grindfeld uh, and um, Raging B word because I can't say that word on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool. Uh, and um, well, now. It's taken over my life because I have three different podcasts, and you know it, it generates a lot of traffic for my website. It, uh, it I get a lot of hits on SoundCloud, which is good, um, and it's also helped my skill set because I now know how to utilize SEO. And being you know a, a journalist, it's you need SEO because we all work in a digital age now, so it's very important. And it, you know, it's helped with broadcasting. It helps my speech. It it helps my social skills. You know, mm-hmm. it it just it's turned me into you know a better. It's it's just turned me into a sharper human being. Like the other day, I just did one um, with uh with this guy Peter Litvin, who um, he he's the uh, lead actor in this trauma film that's coming out soon called Hectic Knife. On Thursday they're doing a uh, screening um in uh in, in Brooklyn. It's on uh, Morgan Avenue. I forgot the name of the place. Um but it's called Hectic Knife. So if you're listening to this look that up and I'm sure you'll find it. Um it's it's a really crazy movie. <laughs> if you if you're into weird bad mm-hmm. movies or trauma movies in general, then uh, you will love this. Uh, you know, he just, I, I met him at a video game store. I said, hey, man, you know, come over, you know, plug the movie and we'll do that. Or like this other chick, Jess O'Learn, and I met her on the subway because I was like, oh, hey, she's cute. You know, let's see, you know, let's see what happens here. I give her a business card. I give her a thing. And she's like, oh, hey, I have a card, too. I make music. Uh, and I was like, oh, you do? That's awesome. So I go to her show and I'm like, that's really good music. Let's, you know, I do a podcast. Let's do a podcast. So we did that. You know, it's it's. It helps with networking and everything, and it's just an easy icebreaker for any person. So, hey, listen, do you like podcasts? Because I got a podcast, so, you know, we should hang out. Do you know people who, you know, make music? Do you know people who, you know, do anything wacky? Let's have them on the show, you know? Or I like to talk about pop culture. I'm a big nerd, so I started another podcast specifically for that with with, uh, with one of my best friends, John Shore, and that's F Mondays. You know, that's that's the other podcast. Or I like pro wrestling, so I have another so I have a pro wrestling podcast called Monopra. And, you know, they're all on bonesawzine.com and I'm cool. Uh, and I get promos, <laughs> I get free stuff. Um, people send me nice things sometimes. It's it's really weird. Uh, nobody's recognized my voice on the street yet, but maybe one day they will. 
<laughs> it's just, Watch out for that. Yeah, that'd be cool if you know I'm like I'm if I'm in a if I'm oh like, you're that guy yeah. oh I've been looking for you pal yeah like if I'm in Forbidden Planet one day and I'm like just talking to Matt behind the uh, behind the counter he used to be in this band called Vermifugue they were really cool um, the uh, the guitarist James Danzo plays for Deceased now um, but you know if I'm just like talking to Matt or something like that. Or if I'm like, hey, man, or if I'm, I just go up to one of the guys working there and I'm like, hey, do you have, like, this issue of Deadpool or whatever? <sighs> and, um, and and then somebody would just come up and be like, hey, you're the Bonesaw podcast guy. You're the Bonesaw guy or whatever. Hey, you're the Monopra guy. Hey, you're you're the F Mondays guy. Then it would be really cool. Actually, mm. this chick from the staffing agency, Jackie, um, that I <laughs> like is, is a big fan of the shows now. So, like, that's really funny. Hi, Jackie, if you're listening. <laughs> Already I told then. you to listen. <laughs> and um, come to Thrash Bash, Jackie. It's fun. It's it's on Saturday <laughs> in Wantage, New Jersey, one sixteen Libertyville Road. Bring food and stuff. Bring beer. Beer good. Napster bad. Don't bring Napster. To the <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring Napster to the show. Mmm. <laughs> I bet you she shows up wearing a Napster t-shirt. Take that, Sean. Does anybody still have Napster t-shirts? I don't think Napster even exists anymore, so. Oh, I know. No, they didn't get transformed. Uh, there was a documentary like, so about a Napster funny, on Netflix, there's a actually. There's funny, a funny story about that. I went to, a couple of years ago, Metallica had that Orion Festival down in Atlantic City. Uh-huh. And I went. And it was, you know, it was pretty cool. They had a lot and, of stuff and, there. And I loved it. Too. <laughs> and I loved it. Marsha told me to go um, to the uh, Ryan Fest. But they had a lot of cool love. stuff there. Like, they had, uh, you know, vintage cars and, and little, like, vendors and stuff like that. They had this thing called, like, it was like a museum thing of, like, Metallica memorabilia throughout the years. They had, like, like uh, what was it, Dorothy's head or whatever, like, the, the head of the... I don't know. I, I, I wasn't there, but that's cool. Well, I know. The Justice it, Thing's the, the, name was Dorothy? Uh, yeah, I'm okay. pretty sure it was named Dorothy. Okay. Uh, and one section, they had all these T-shirts. One of them was the Napster logo, like, made to look like... It was like... It was oh, Metallica, I remember but that it was like, shirt. Yeah. yeah, it was like the Napster logo, except Metallica. It said Metallica on it. Yeah. So it was like... <laughs> obviously, they've, like, come to terms with their role in that. I guess, and uh, I and I could joke about it at least. I remember actually hearing. Um, Thank a, a, God one, that one, eventually just disappeared. I remember. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. I remember hearing one time that like uh, that Lars um, got like really drunk in his house and like downloaded his own album. Oh, just he to should see what sue it was himself. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was and like he was like you know I don't really see what like like so I don't know can I really do like a good um. Yo, I don't really like you know. I don't see how it, it like. I didn't you know. I, I guess I kind of like um, made like a big deal at the time about <laughs> like what this illegal downloading thing was because it's really not that bad. Like I don't I don't think that's a good Lars. I don't really have a good Lars impression. Fail. Yeah, it's not great. Like, like. Unless you're trying to take my effing knapsack? No, I don't know. That, that's not a good Lars. Yeah, there it is. I found it. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I do remember that shirt. <laughs> yeah. I kind of want it. It's, just to have. Yeah. We should have, like, a Napster shirt, but no one would remember it. Or if they Doris, did. Doris. Not Dorothy. Doris. Oh, Doris. Is, is the head. The the Injustice for All statue. My code name is Boris. What? What's your code? Your code name is Doris. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
get the reference, then you get the reference. And if you don't, then you deserve to perish. <laughs> Final words your on the show. Your Tell name. me about it. My, oh. Your code name is Doris. <laughs> Uh, uh, my final thoughts on the show is uh, I would like to share uh, one story for that happened to me the other day and another thing about a new way to watch your favorite Looney Tunes cartoons. Oh, no. Um, a mm. thing that happened to me the other day was I went on my lunch break and I got a panini or whatever, or a sandwich or whatever, and the sandwich came and they asked me if I wanted, like, pickles or chips, and I didn't want the chips because I try to stay away from that stuff. And they gave me both of them. So I ate the sandwich. I didn't really want the pickle afterwards because I was full. And then I got this bag of chips. And I don't know what to do with the bag of chips. And like, I'm not just going to put them on somebody's plate randomly. And I'm like, I don't want to, you know, waste the chips. I don't want to throw them away. And if I give them back to the guy behind the counter, he's just going to look at me like I'm an idiot. So I can't do that. Mm. And I'm like, wait a minute. All right, so I'm in New York City. The thing that I st- the thing that I avoid like the plague normally is hobos, because they ask me for money and I don't want to give it to them because I don't want them to spend it on drugs, uh, and I don't want to aid in their like death basically by yeah. giving them money, and they so I'm like wait a minute I can I have an immediate solution to this problem I can give the chips to hobos. So I went to go find a hobo. You're a great American, Chris. So for the first time in my life, I'm actively seeking a hobo to give them something. And wouldn't you know it, no hobos around. <laughs> it's like the hobos had like a radar, like a someone's trying to help me radar. So they just scattered. <laughs> like I even went to the corner where I was guaranteed to find a hobo because every day I see the same hobo like... Like, sleeping or, like, begging people for stuff or just, like, wandering around talking to himself on that same corner every day, the whole day, he's there. I don't know why, but he's at the same corner, like, the whole day. It's like his job is to be at the corner, like, for eight hours. Like, he works a shift at the corner by just being at the corner. I went there, and even that guy wasn't there. I saw him walking away from the corner. (laughs) You t- you did the right thing and chased him down, right? No, absolutely not. <laughs> like, have you ever seen like crackheads run? <laughs> they are fast, man, and they have this really scary run. <laughs> Describe <laughs> it. They they, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to. I, I'm doing it here, but I mean, they can't see me. But like, they kind of wave their hands in the air like they just don't care, uh, which is probably where the phrase came from. <laughs> and they buckle their knees together. Like, and, and they make, like, a triangle shape with their lower legs, and their upper legs are just kind of closed together. And they scramble like that, and, like, their jeans, like, they're, they're, they wear loose-fitting clothes, so they're trying to, like, it's almost like they're trying to keep their pants up at the same time, <laughs> but they don't want to grab onto the pants. <laughs> so they run around like the sky's falling, like, almost like they would be shrieking, and... I like almost it's kind of like when a boxer gets punched way too like way too many times but he just won't go down kind of like when Nate Diaz is fighting like and the arms are just up but they're just there I guess is you know like a fight or flight response it's just there like that's just what they do because they're out of it and the legs are just doing their thing 
and they're trying to stay afloat. But I, and long story short, I couldn't find any hobos uh, when I was actually trying to find hobos. So I threw the thing away anyway. And as soon as I turned the corner to, to go back to my job where there's no hobos ever, there's like eight freaking hobos. And I like, it's like they knew. They were like, okay, he got rid of it. Everybody get back. It was like it was like a homeless disp dispatch call where they're like, all right, the, the threats so the threats been avoided. Everybody return back to your posts and start begging for money or whatever. Uh, and you know, do I have time to talk about the Looney Tunes thing like real quick? Uh, yeah, sure. All right, cool. There's this theory that I read, uh, which now I can't watch a Wiley e. Coyote Roadrunner thing ever again because Wiley e. Coyote is actually the smartest Looney Tune ever. Uh, he's actually the smartest Looney Tune in the whole gang, and I will tell you why right now. He doesn't know what the Roadrunner tastes like, or so he says. The few cartoons where Wiley e. Coyote speaks, he speaks clearly and intelligently. He has Acme business cards. There is one cartoon in particular where it stands for a coyote made everything, but you don't notice it because it's equipped very quickly. Mm. So it's just there. Like, he flashes a card, it says that, and then he, like, throws it away before you can even pick up what it says. So you have to slow it down, really, to figure it out. He every How would you be able to test every Acme product before you can sell it to the general public? You have to test it on something. They're out in the desert. He apparently doesn't know what Roadrunner tastes like, probably because he doesn't care because he's probably eating lobster every day because this man is a billionaire. Wiley e. Coyote, like, and we all know that Acme has an Acme cloning machine from, a, from another cartoon. I think it's with, uh, I think it's a Daffy Duck cartoon or a Bugs Bunny cartoon, one of those two. Maybe Elmer Maybe Fudd. Maybe both. Uh, yeah, it, it could involve Elmer Fudd. Uh, anyway, so Acme makes a cloning machine. I think it might be a Mar Marvin the Martian one. Uh, they make a clone. Yeah, yeah, there is one. Uh, they make a cloning machine, and it's an Acme cloning machine, which means that that was te which means that the Acme cloning machine worked. Which means Wiley e. Coyote would have to have tested it on himself if there was no other coyotes. There's another episode where there is a bunch of where there's like millions of coyotes in the desert, and they're all Wiley e. coyotes. Every Every single time that we see any Looney Tunes character that doesn't die come back from, like, a fall or an anvil falling on them or mm. something like that, we see them walking into the next—we see them coming out of it alive, but they're all, like, messed up. And then we go to the next scene, which proves that they lived. When Wiley e. Coyote falls off the screen, we don't see them come back like that. We actually just don't see the, any of the aftermath. Why? Because they're all clones of Wiley e. Coyote. Because he's testing all of these Acme products on them. And they all die. And they're all in the desert in the middle of nowhere because that's where he's testing everything. Because you're not, nobody is going to report of a billion dead coyote clones because they're not going to wander through it. Wiley Coyote is the smartest Looney Tune character. And, yes. <laughs> Thank you. All right, thank now you, Chris. Now you know, and knowing is half the battle, and you will never watch a Looney Tunes cartoon ever again. All right, now tell me another great conspiracy theory. Gee, I don't know. Your code name is Doris. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rob, give me some final words. And speak about the concert, though. <laughs> You're going to play a concert. We call it Thrash Bash Barbecue, I believe. <laughs> um... Yeah, come to the concert. It'll be good. There's going to be Lich King and food and beer. 
and us. You can you can say hi. Stop Giant Dad 2012. Stop Giant Dad 2012, even though it's 2016. But I guess Giant Dad was born in 2012, so he's still alive. We should stop him. He's a bad dad. Stop him. He's a bad dad. Uh, so, yeah, Wantage, New Jersey, 116 Libertyville Road. Also known as Doris. <laughs> I was going to say Rob's Garage, but Doris has a nice ring to it. Uh, yes. And, um, yeah, suggested donation, $10. Suggested. That doesn't mean that you have to, but you can. Uh, bring, you know, bring something if you want to. Have fun. Show up early, like noon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and stay for all the bands. Have fun. Support everybody. Be our friend. And, you know, be cool. Um, don't, uh, like, drink responsibly and party responsibly if you're going to do that sort of thing. And I guess that's it. Have a good time. Have a gay old time. Yabba-dabba-doo. I don't know. Yeah. Don't well, eat the red rope licorice. Don't eat the red rope licorice. Don't eat the yellow snow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, don't whiz on the electric fence. Don't whiz on the electric fence. That's an important one. Don't talk to strangers. Don't talk to strangers. Uh, don't unless do you're drugs. playing Pokemon Go, then it's perfectly well, if safe. You're, well, that's another story. If you're playing like like Rob earlier, which is why we were a little bit late today because somebody had to catch a uh, Geo dude. But that wasn't there. That wasn't there. You caught the Nidoran. There's female. a Krabby. I caught. I caught a Krabby outside. You caught the. You caught the Pidgey too. And, and you a caught, Pidgey. And you caught the Nidoran. Um, the female in, Nidoran in, in, was on the elevator. In the elevator with us. So that well, was fun. Yeah, that was good. That was good. That was good. Lots of Pokemon today. And let's hear well, the song. Well, oh, also, I'd like to dedicate this episode to my wife, Ronda Rousey. Hi. I love you. <laughs> and made, here uh, we go. I made you steak because I know you like that and you need the protein to train for fighting. So. The final track on the Nuclear Hatred album. It's called Zamboni. Ah! Where have we heard whoa, that name before? Whoa, 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 you can't, whoa, you can't, you can't whoa. use that.
Hello there! I don't believe we've been properly introduced. I'm Bonzi. Nice to meet you, Expectum! then and um i will try to have this podcast uploaded hopefully within the next 72 hours thanks a lot for listening in tonight uh this is another episode of japan x rock and metal pandemonium likely i will be taking off next saturday to attend the thrash bash barbecue and uh we'll be back in two weeks thanks a lot and uh check us out soundcloud.com slash japan dash nick twitter at japan nick facebook.com uh japan nick's rock and metal pandemonium uh soundcloud.com slash japan dash nick uh tunein.com search for japan nick and um it's been a really great time and helped me get up to twenty five thousand hits on my soundcloud thanks a lot everybody